0: Right, so the Myer for Football podcast is back this week. Um, been some delays in getting, getting the recording done. I think we can put the delays down to Burger Wellington, Long Weekend, Willie working, me working, Elliot getting sick, and then to top it off, me getting the stomach bug from hell towards the end of last week. So the boys are back now. Of course, your host, Stelo, and I'm joined once again by Willie.
1: Everyone, the shits in fantasy and the shits in real life, mate.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, so let's start off. Talk us, talk, just give us a quick, quick little synopsis of how you're going, mate.
1: Uh, well, I mean, last week, last game week before the international break, I, um, I actually thought I did all right. at a 60, sixty-two point game week, so middle of the road. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Uh, lost by two points to Aiden in my head-to-head, which has put me in a world of trouble down near the bottom with three wins from eight, so five defeats. But in a strange world of fantasy football, I saw a three hundred thousand uh, place rise overall, um, which. Is, is pretty pretty good. I was I think five or six points above the average score across the world. So I don't know how you say that. De- decent game week, but in the head to head sense of it, not not really. So um, we keep we keep battling on, um, definitely on Struggle Street at the moment. But fairly still we'll just, just keep battling away. What about? I'm you? Gonna,
0: yeah, I'm I'm sort of propping up Struggle Street at the moment. Why uh, failures have been well documented over the. Past few weeks, um, I managed to pull out a second head-to-head win against Dan, 69 to 67. It was a good battle. Mm -hmm. Seen some jumps up, and I got green arrows across the board, apart from in the Super League, where I still firmly anchor the bottom.
1: Not for long, mate. Get a a run going.
0: Six points there. (laughs) At Uh, least
1: we're both beaten. At least we're both beaten, Dan. Fuck.
0: Yeah, sorry, Dan. <laughs> You're like um, United had a few seasons where they would like, beat everyone and then drop points to the salad dwellers, and Dan sort of is in that territory.
1: So Wait, I mean, we look at your case though specifically, and we just take last season. It could not have got, cannot be worse than what you had last season.
0: Yeah, so,
1: I let's go back
0: to s- that. Still running ahead of that. So t- tonight's show, we're going to crack on with your guys' questions. But just before that, I think something that's quite topical, given the, the red indicator we have on Mo Salah, is the COVID situation in the UK. Hmm. I, I just recommend to everyone, keep an eye on that. Not obviously the cases and stuff over there, but there's some interesting data coming out then the latest round of COVID testing they do amongst the Premier League So that's players and staff They had their highest number of positive Tests If that keeps up and continues to Grow I think we could end up in a situation Where the season goes on pause again Which mm. will obviously have Implications to our Seasons I imagine a lot of us have dropped that first wild card, But have not done anything with our other Chips Probably mm. the safest
1: Bet there but, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, does look, it does look like it's getting worse. Um, and I think, yeah, most people have dropped their wildcard. There's not too many left. I don't think they have it. Um, those that do, they're in a, a very good position, um, as was the case before Project Restart, right? If you had a wild card going into those last few weeks, it was quite handy. With not knowing really what was going to happen, But, yeah, very interesting situation developing. And I still question this international break. And, you know, we've discussed it in a few messages with a few of the guys over the course of this week about, you know, is it really necessary to play these international friendly games, travelling over to the other side of the world just to play one game when it's a friendly, unless it's a a qualifier for a a major tournament? Is it really necessary, especially in these times? It's crazy.
0: I think what we could start to end up with is those game weeks where you get games cancelled on the eve of the game, where your team's locked in, and then suddenly the game's cancelled. Sorts of things that happen in in the snow. We had a few seasons a while back that were affected by snow. And then I think it might have been the 2013-2014 season where Everton and might have been Man City was called off because of wind.
1: Yeah, it was a, a strange situation like yeah. that. I also think there was the the season Blackpool were in the Premier League. They didn't have underfloor, didn't have underground heating. They're, I think they're one of the few teams that didn't. Of course, the snow, most Premier League grounds these days uh, can yeah. deal with it, right? And they couldn't, and that game got called off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we could end up with some of those split game weeks that really become a lottery because you don't get the information until after you pick your team. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you just don't know, especially being in New Zealand, we're almost at that disadvantage because we've got 12 hours less time to to see injury news and things like that popping up last minute, a last minute COVID positive for a player. Was it, say, you know, Sadie Amane a couple of weeks ago? We found out about that, you know, fairly last minute. Yeah. The hammer's Rodriguez. That wasn't COVID related, but that happened the other week when he the injury and then. Yeah, we we go to sleep not knowing and we wake up and go, what's going on here? So those guys that are still in the UK um, with, the, with the time zone will get a little bit of advantage in that respect. Yeah. Mm.
0: So I just thought it would be interesting to touch on that. But let's move on to the big, big part of tonight's podcast. We're going to crack on with some uh, questions. The first question is from someone who's quite fitting because it looks to me like you're drinking one of those Dunkin's Duncan's Brewery beers there, right?
1: I, I am indeed. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: So our first question nice. is from Duncan's Stewart, and he <laughs> asks, "When will Willie bite the bullet on Bamford?" Now I'm just going to jump in here. You're copping a lot of heat on the Bamford, Bamford bandwagon call. Yeah. Uh, mm. I guess without giving too many secrets, are you are you starting to eye up joining that bandwagon?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've got, I mean, in reality, I've got more pressing uh, problems at the moment than, than getting in Bamford. Um, I am starting to be turned, though, on, uh, on him as a potential third striker. Um, but it does seem like his stats and his performance is better away from home. Um, Leeds have Arsenal this weekend, so that will be interesting. Um, off the back of the Arsenal defeat to Villa, and how how Bamford been, may take advantage of a, a bristle Arsenal, but no, not at the moment. I will keep coughing heat if if that's if that's the if that's what it is. He I maintain that he is the Pookie of the season, and I don't think he will continually score goals throughout the season. I will maintain that stance, but nice. <laughs> but I might be convinced. He's been doing very well, and I didn't expect that.
0: This this reminds me of the Michael Calman, Tim Brown situation of Tim Brown's heyday for the Phoenix. A lot of you guys (laughs) know Michael Calman. And he went hard and early on saying Tim Brown was overrated and a bit shit. And then I think that was at the start of the season. I think it was a season where Tim Brown might have scored eight or ten goals from midfield. His best season, yeah. Including one (laughs) from 40 yards out. And I can tell you it was fricking amazing to be watching a Phoenix game with Kalman and his phone would be sitting on the table and Brown would score and Kalman would just go watch this. And his phone would just start buzzing from people texting him and like working its way off the table. And I feel like you're in a similar situation. Yeah. Fricking Bamford gets a goal mm. and the, the, the messages light up.
1: I haven't got the messages, the <laughs> private messages, but I'm, I certainly have been the the MyFA the page on Facebook's been um, fairly active with Bamford posts so if you're, if you're going to help run a podcast throughout the season you're going to have to cop flack aren't you? So yeah, I'm prepared for that.
0: So the next question is just a quick one from Craig asking me how it feels getting more than 50 points in a game week, and it felt fucking amazing. <laughs> 69, great, great numbers, particularly getting the double Southampton clean sheet to kick off the game week. Dan almost came back into it, which had me fucking worried, especially when I had uh, another clean sheet sitting on my bench. But
1: was that the, the Villa game? He had a couple of yeah, teenagers, didn't he?
0: Mm. Yeah, so he had a, a few guys, a few guys that could have pipped it, but didn't. Mm. So yeah, get got there. Next question is from Austin, and I think this is. Again, directed at you, Willie. He always asked,
1: directed at me from him. Oh, apart from Ass, when he's just asshole. like.
0: It's apart from when he just says, "Steal your shit." Yeah, yeah, which is true. Yeah, but Austin says, "Arsenal can't even beat Villa these days, given they suck so much." Should we avoid their players like the plague?
1: As the resident Arsenal fan, I'll let you kick this one off. Well, I'd, firstly, I find it hilarious. This coming from a guy who sports a team that can't win a trophy. When's the last <laughs> time they won a trophy? Dickhead. <laughs> um Yeah, they I was actually thought they were until the Villa game, I actually thought we were potentially turning a corner, but I've said that before. I said that when we had Emory in the in the hot seat and we went twenty games unbeaten last year. I thought I were turning a corner, but um yeah, it's it's not looking too good. Um 3 0 lost to Villa, but I'm saying that Villa beat Liverpool seven two. So Maybe Villa are just uh, the new the new Leicester of 2016. Who knows? The, league, think- the top of the the top of the Premier League table changed four times last week. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so unpredictable. You just don't know. But no, we're up. Um, we're up. Struggle Street. Went from the best defence in the left going into that game. So, God knows. Yeah, I, I, I I I maintain a Bamiang's Just I don't know why. Arteta main t- continues to play him on the left-hand side of that front three. I think he's, you know, he's the, he's the best striker, clinical finisher, playing through the middle. Keep things simple, but yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, in terms of Arsenal assets, obviously Aubameyang's your key one, but as you say, he's not playing through the middle, and he's in danger of sort of entering that Etiboyol zone where you get your big contract
1: and you decide you don't need to play anymore. Yeah. The only other player, the other player that was interesting interesting was of interest to me before before the 3-0 Villa debacle was um was Hector Bellerin. Yeah. Um I thought as I said before I thought Arsenal's defence was looking quite good and he's um he's certainly getting quite forward in that that setup and there was a couple of assists there and he was on my radar, but he's he's not on my radar now. <laughs> Yeah,
0: Willian, Willian is quite funny. People were jumping on at him at the start of the season because yeah. he had that great yeah. start. But there's yeah. a reason. Chelsea let him go, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We always seem to get duped by Chelsea. We get their has-beens, whether it's Willian or Czech or Galas. <laughs> Might have been another one as well. David Luiz. There we go. There we go. Yeah, he's a big one, isn't he? Yeah, David Luiz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must know something. We just... Yeah, we take their has-beens. I think we should stop doing that, and then we give them our good ones, like Fabregas. Although that was via Barça, but still, Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole's your classic example there. Yeah, I know he can he can piss off.
0: <laughs> so our next question comes from Calum Campbell, and he's CC? he's asked us a question: What are the determining factors we look for? when deciding to get on or off the wave of a player's success or failure. So I think this is ties into the bandwagon chat, but mm. the flip side of when a player's cooled down is on a, on a bit of a downer as to what we're looking for in terms of making that decision, pulling that trigger. Mm. I think this is quite an interesting one in the context of this season. We know we've got Bamford running hot and Calvert-Lewin running hot. I think those two are in, particularly in that zone where they're more you're more likely i think for me, in terms of making that trigger decision of when you jump on someone or jump off someone, I think if they're at the cheaper end of the scale, you're mm-hmm. more likely to make that decision more quickly, yeah. Whereas if they're at that more expensive end of the scale, so you're looking at your Harry Kane, your Mo Salahs, your Sadio Manes, you're more likely to stick with them through a rough patch. So for me, it's more looking at, okay, if I was to bring another player in, what's their potential upside? What What is Callum Wilson going to give me over the next five to 10 game weeks that Patrick Bamford is not
1: yeah yeah I, I, think, how I think I think of it. It, I think it's a question more directed at the lesser um, lesser owned players and the the less less value players I mean as you say I think all those premium assets whether it be you know defense midfield up front you're going to you know a Kevin De Bruyne it doesn't it, he's not it's not really a jump on jump off, jump off conversation he's he's a player you're going to have in all season um, even through a bit of a dip, you know that that is just worth. Is this one of those players that's worth holding on, on to. Same, same with Salah, um, which makes it a bit interesting going into this weekend with the COVID situation with him. What do you do there? Um, it, yeah, I think it's those lesser players where that where you're having to judge that. Where is it time to, yeah. time to jump on that player? Is it time to jump off? Because as as you can, you can you can move quickly to someone else in a similar price bracket. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you, I think the move, the the getting off is almost harder than the getting on, mm. because the way values yep. shift and the opportunity costs, if you miss out on a guy, can be quite high.
1: I think I think a, a player that you could you could put in that category right now is someone like Hamis. Um, who has started very well? He's gone up in value, and I mean Everton for me still have some very good fixtures coming up. And as an owner, it's you're, you're seeing other players come in, come through in the similar bracket like Hakim ZH, the Chelsea who's gone up in value. People are jumping on him; they think it's the right time. And Rodriguez has just had a little bit of a dip, but you, you just you know they go to Fulham this weekend. So you you just don't. I mean, he he makes. Who knows what's going to happen with with him if he's flying? I think if he's flying back from South America, it's just all over. It's, honestly, it's all over the show at the moment. <laughs> you just people got COVID. Guys are getting injured. Guys are on long haul flights. Um, The guys that have had great run of form are now going into some tough fixtures. Spurs assets. Oh, it's just a. Yeah, yeah, you boys at the top of the league, you just thank you lucky stars, you're in a good position. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, think, I think our short answer for you there, Callum, is where both of us sort of look at what, what else is happening at that price point and is there a smart jump that we can make or a downgrade that allows us to upgrade somewhere else and we use that to make our decision as much as what that player's current form is. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, but great question and on to another great question. This one's from Ian and not something I'd really thought tactically about before, which is probably reflects more on me than Ian. And he says, how important is it to use at least one of your trades when you have two for the week? So this is the the conundrum about wasting wasting a free trade. Be great to get your views on this, Wilson. You've obviously played the game for a little bit longer than I have.
1: Hmm. Um, I mean, there's no better feeling than going into a week with two transfers. Like, it is just the best feeling. Um, But I hardly ever have that situation. I just, I'm one of these managers that I just, I'm almost always conned into making that one change per week. Um, I mean, he's asking about sort of, is there any tactical... Advantage of having two, right? Is that is that what he's well? Doing? No, he's
0: or, he's more asking when you've got two. Yeah. Do you ever think about not making any changes and just burning that free transfer?
1: Personally, no. If if I manage to get myself in a position with two transfers, having not made one the week before and sitting on what I've got, I will make two. To strengthen my team where I can, um, I actually did it in game week eight i um, I didn't make any in seven and I had two for eight and um, well I, I suppose it worked out in terms of overall rank but it didn't in head to head but I think when I've, whenever I've managed to get myself into a position to have two free transfers I'll use it straight away no questions asked yeah yeah I guess I very rarely would hold hold something like that
0: yeah I guess it depends if you I guess you're the advantage you have when you've got two free transfers and there's nothing immediate that you want to do is it's when you it's where you can make those changes on the players you'd probably never change so you can look yeah. to make that change on your third bench player or your reserve goalkeeper things that you wouldn't normally only look at on a wild card situation
1: mm. but if you're happy if you're happy with your team, I don't. I guess it comes down to your mindset a little bit. Like I'm, I'm someone that doesn't really, I'm not always, I'm not very really, I'm content with what I've got. Yeah. Um, but there's other guys, and and I'm going to plug him here because I, I think he's brilliant at doing it. Is Jason, Jason Carpenter, I think is one of the best managers in the league in terms of holding, holding what he's got and just giving it an extra week, without making any unnecessary transfers. He's one of the few guys I see that. Goes into a week with two, and you might not make any. Um, and he g- generally just holds on to that that team, and you know he he does well. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's a very viable tactic, and it, it's it comes down to holding your nerve, which this season <laughs> is is the hardest challenge I think out of ever, any any challenge is is holding your nerve this season and and not jumping to someone else, just giving it another week. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so I think, I think the answer here, Ian, is basically Willie would probably never carry over, would never burn that free transfer. But we can see if you're flying or you're doing quite well, you're content with your team, don't make the change for the sake of it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's asking me... From uh, with with me down languaging the fifteenth. I'm, I'm <laughs> not going to hold transfers, but if I was at top of the league like Sam Curry is right now, then you know maybe I would because yeah. you know I'm such a good position. Why, why you know go overboard to make any necessary changes? Yeah, I think it depends on where you are in the league and how you're doing.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Another great question though. And finishing up here, this is the big question from Tim. And a few other people have, I know mentioned this previously. I've had conversation about this before. And pretty much his question is, um, he's intrigued in the debate around how important watching games are to getting ahead in the FPL. So obviously there's a strong argument, given how stats-driven the game is now, and how the ICT scoring has improved, that you don't need to watch the games. But Tim's still of sort of the firm belief that you need to see as much as possible. Yeah. Um. To do that eye test, and particularly when it comes to those positional discrepancies. Yeah. And so where you've got your left back playing at left midfield, or even you've got like Chelsea played a couple of seasons ago, where they essentially played a lopsided back line where Alonso bombed forward, and it meant yeah. the left back sat. Mm. So Tim's yeah. T- Tim's asking. How important is that eye test versus the stats?
1: Um, I, I mean, it, it, it's always been the argument. What? What? How do you play the game? Do you do? You, do you follow the stats? Do you watch the games? The eye test. What is? Which way is the way to go? Personally, I try and create a bit of a balance between the two. Um, I, I think in the last couple of years, which <laughs> coincidentally I've I've done. I've been a lot more successful in the last two years. Um, I've tried to dive a bit more into stats than I have in the past. But up until that point, I'd always been someone that, you know, would watch as much football as I could over the weekend, as many games as I could. Uh, largely, the, the games where I had players involved with my team. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I I probably sit more with, with Tim and his corner on, on the eye test thing. I, I still believe... And the the cold hard sitting down watching a game, seeing where a player is on the field, who he's passing the ball to. Um, yeah, you can access shots in the box, creativity numbers, you know, XG, XA, all of that online. Um but and and the heat maps, it's all it's it's all there. It's hard. It is hard, but I, I still I still maintain that I test as Probably a smidgen more important than um, the stats, but I think if you can make the, both of them work together somehow, um, you're onto a winning f- formula. But yeah, in regards to the question, Tim, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more with you in terms of that. Watching the games, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I think we're seeing more and more. Stats are starting to become more important But I do think the eye test is good When you are assessing it Especially if you're looking at a player Do I keep them, do I get rid of them mm. And you you start to see their actual You can start to see their involvement And this, this goes to how football is played In that sometimes a pass isn't a key pass But it is a key pass so mm. if you've got if you've got a guy who's around the box a lot paying a lot of one twos and things like that it's mm. probably someone you're more likely to hold than someone who's actually fricking not involved in the game yeah. and the i test thing like if you look at stats for Jorginho at the moment right he's gonna be he's quite high on the stats, some of the stats, but actually he's a fricking holding midfielder yeah. so I think if you use the stats, you need to have some working knowledge of where players are playing, and you might not need to watch the whole game. The highlights, yeah. um, Spark Sport does those great extended highlight packages, which give you a flavour of the game beyond the goals. So yeah. I think I think it's that mix, um, and the test is great for picking up yeah picking up players before they go boom.
1: Yeah, as you start yeah. to see
0: someone hit form, start to see someone's positioning change.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, there's certain players that, um, like I, I look at someone like Aaron Cresswell for West Ham at the moment, and the stats are actually showing him up to be doing everything that you want from a, a defender, but he's actually playing on the left hand side of a back three, as a as part of a three man, you know, center part of centre back. Three, um, but he's still Getting opportunities, taking a lot of set pieces as well. So, so, yeah, I think he's one of those players where you're watching him on the it's a counter argument. Like, you're watching him on the field and he's not necessarily getting in the positions, but the stats are still showing him putting the crosses in and his creativity numbers. Like, you know, they come out with these numbers saying, oh, his creativity was 2.14. And then you watch the game, you go, how are you getting that number? yeah, and and like don't get me wrong, Crestwell I think's been playing brilliantly in the last few weeks for West Ham. You know, he's he's I think he could potentially be an option for 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 people's defences. Um but yeah, it's all yeah. There's a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Cool. So, um moving on from the questions, I think before we go into previewing. Previewing the next game week, I think we've got a little bit of a not on the bandwagon this week i think <laughs> you've you warned you're going to go on a bit of a rant here
1: yeah, well, I think people have started to establish that the the Willy on the bandwagon is just me having a rant about <laughs> things um, and uh this week it's 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 really this it's just unnecessary need for people to make transfers as soon as the game week finishes. And I understand that people want to do it to gain some value in players. But this season, being that the season that it is, I, I like getting my team value up. But I think this season, <laughs> to make early transfers at the start of an international break is absolutely ridiculously stupid. Um, and I was looking through some of the transfers in earlier today And Mohamed Nini has been brought in by about 17,000 managers during the international break. First, why on earth are you bringing him in to your team? He's a holding midfielder for a team that just lost 3-0. And I can't remember the last time the guy assisted goal. If he assisted a week or two ago, I'm going to look ridiculously stupid. But he's just been... Uh, I think he got... He's tested positive, didn't he, for, for COVID along with Salah in that Egypt setup. up yep. Yeah. Um, and Salah, great player. You can understand why people are bringing him into their teams, but he's quite high on the transfers in list. But why on earth are people in, in, in this season, in the times that we're in at the moment, making early transfers, unless all of these are part of wildcards, but I don't think they are. Uh, I mean probably more people have played wild cards during this international break than in, in, in other weeks. But it just I just can't understand the logic behind it. Because you've just brought in, say you're someone that brought in Salah or El Nini, or both, who knows, um, you've just completely stitched yourself up. You've just made two transfers, and both players probably won't play this weekend, because you've gone in ahead of it. You've tried to get in ahead of everyone else and make these early changes. And you're now down two players for for game week nine because yeah. of COVID and other things. But that is what this is what we're living through at the moment. And I know you and I were discussing just before we started recording. You know how you manage the season with with all of the stuffs going on. And I think it's take the week, read, listen, and make your changes as late as you possibly can, and just Pray <laughs> Pray that you don't That nothing happens in the, in the 10 hours that you're asleep Before you wake up And, and check team news or whatever <laughs> But yeah that, that's my bandwagon rant For this week, it wasn't a long one But I just, yeah, I can't understand people making Early passers, especially in a week Like this um, We've seen Andy Robertson come back with an injury was from Scotland, we've seen Chilwell, has got a knock um, Salah's tested positive I think Callum Wilson he's a doubt, isn't he? Ryan Fraser's a doubt, both of those guys for Newcastle um, yeah, people are picking up injuries and the fact that they're playing so many games and they haven't really had a proper pre-season we know Trent, sorry Trent, got injured didn't he? just before the break as well um, yeah, it's I think we need to just tip to our way through it some people haven't quite gotten on to that as yet. It doesn't look like
0: But who am I
1: to talk? I'm at the bottom of the league, so don't listen to me.
0: <laughs> and just to wrap up this week, we'll quickly uh, preview the, the leagues. I'm going to quickly preview the B League. And having a look at the B League, the games are sort of spread all around the table. There's no, there's no heavyweight matchups. So I'm going to call the the matchup I picked out this week the two drunks fighting over a comb, and that is the battle between Tom Hill and Callum Campbell, 17th
1: versus 14th in the probably will probably will end up being the lowest scoring game in the <laughs> round
0: in the B League. So they haven't made a great start to their B League career. So that's the that's the one I'm keeping an eye on in the B League
1: yep yep that's uh traditionally a big trash talking matchup um in the super league uh i have gone with i mean it's still as we've said very very early days things are still very condensed amongst amongst you know majority of the league um, Just quickly well done to sam for being top at the stage outright top on eighteen points he's he's started very well um, but the game of the round uh, I've gone with is uh, Bulli United against Sam Curry's Curry Train, so one versus three for this weekend. So yeah, Grant Grant started very well as as well um, high up in the championship uh, along with Sam. So that should be should be an interesting interesting game. That one Grant can go level on points with Sam on eighteen if he gets the win in that one. So yeah. That's that's my game of the round. Nice one. Game
0: week nice nine one. this weekend. Nice. So that's that's all from us here at MIFA tonight. We will hopefully get back into our in our weekly routine after this pod. So hopefully join you again next week. But from me, it's good night
1: and Goodbye from me as well.
0: Cheers guys.